So good morning and welcome to First Church. I'd like to welcome those listening on the radio and uh, watching through Facebook Live as well. Would you please rise and join me in the call to worship? My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of, the, of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make, make your path straight.
Father, that you will be our cornerstone and Lord of all. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Jesus, you are holy. There is none like you. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. God, you are holy. Lord, you are awesome. You are wonderful, Lord. And we just thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you have gathered us together this morning to uh, sing praises to you, Lord, and to glorify your name. Lord, you are worthy of all of it. Lord, of all of our praise, all, everything, every single day, every, every moment of our day praising you, Lord, it would never be enough. And so, God, I thank you this morning that we can gather together as a church family and just praise you and thank you for who you are. Father, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that your spirit would uh, speak to us and reveal things to us that you need each of us to hear. I pray that as we talk about discipling our kids in this next generation, that you would equip parents and caregivers and grandparents in the body of Christ to raise our kids in the faith so that they can stand firm in their relationship with you. And I thank you that you have put the responsibility of discipleship and of discipling our kids on parents and on the church body as a whole, Lord. And you command us to teach and to train and to disciple this next generation because it's so important. Help us not to neglect that responsibility or to take that responsibility lightly, Lord. Give us the tools that we need to give our kids a foundation that is built strong on you. God, I know that you want to use this next generation and parents and the body of Christ to raise up a new generation of leaders in your church and to build your kingdom here, Lord. God, help us to do that. Show us what it looks like to uh, train our kids and to disciple uh, them and each other well, Lord. God, we do lift up those that are on the cares and concerns list this morning ask that you would be with uh, every person on that list. Lord, you know the situations, you know what's going on in each of their lives, um, and I ask that you would just work, um, work in every one of those situations. Lord, remind them that you are their hope, that you are their healer, that you are their comforter, Lord, um, and I pray that you would just bring that hope and that comfort and that peace to those that are facing different trials in life, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would lead and guide us as we continue to worship you this morning. Open our hearts and our minds for what you have for us today. And I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear what you are speaking to us through your word and through Pastor Joel this morning. Lord, we pray all of these things in your heavenly name, in, in the name of your Son who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. This time I'll invite the kids up for children's chat. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Are you guys as tired as I am? Yes. That was, and more. Goodness. How many of you were surprised to see the snow this morning? Me. I didn't get that memo. I didn't know it was supposed to snow today. Yeah. All right. So, I have a question. Who likes rules? 
good answer. Do you like rules? It depends. It depends what, what the rules are like. Why do we have rules? So you don't hurt yourself? So you don't get hurt? So you're safe. Yes. Yeah. So who gives us these rules? Okay. Yep. Do you have rules at home? Let me guess. Be nice to your sisters and brothers. Yes. Don't run in the house. Yes. No. <laughs> well, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> Mom is shaking her head otherwise. Okay. Do you have rules at school? Yes. Why do we have rules at school? Right. For your safety, right? To be annoyed. Are you annoyed by the rules? Yeah, they're not good rules. They're not good rules? Hmm. Um, do we have rules when we come to church? Yes. What's the number one rule? Be quiet. No. Listen. Yeah. Okay. So, today, in our scripture, it tells us that God gave Rules. God gave ten, the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah, God gave us the ten rules that they had to follow too. They had all kinds of rules they had to follow. Okay, hold on. There we go. All right, so the Jewish people were like, look, we got all these rules. And even the disciples came to Jesus and they're like, we have all these rules. How... Can you just can you just like narrow it down to maybe two rules? So this is what it says. It says Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Strength. These commands that I give to you today are to be put upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, two rules. Love God and love others. So, if we apply that to rules everywhere... Love God, love everyone. Would we need to be told about some of these other rules that we have? No, because we would already be doing them. Because if we love others, do we want to hurt them? No. If we love God, do we want to spend time with him and talk to him and pray with him? Yeah. Now, do moms and dads have rules? Yes, moms and dads have rules. And do you know God gave moms and dads specifically rules? I don't, I don't know if you caught this or not, but right here in the Bible, they're talking to parents. Impress these rules on your children. We're supposed to talk to you guys about these rules and make you follow these rules. That's our job. 
Did you know that? Yeah, that's, that's your parents' rules. That's, that's your teacher's rules. So that's our job. Do you think we always like following our job? Doing, do you think we like correcting you guys all the time? No, because you're all perfect and you don't make mistakes, do you? <laughs> but you know what? God wants us to. That's all part of growing and loving God is following his commandments. And those two simple ones, love God and love others. Okay, do you think you can remember that this week? Yeah, and the next time you think about maybe stretching the truth a little bit or getting in a fight with your sister or brother, just remember, am I loving others? Okay, so let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children and their eagerness to learn about you. Help us to remember the two simple commands that you gave. Love you and love each other. And if we can do those two things, we know that we will be blessing you and doing as you want. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. As the choir comes forward, uh, I just want to remind you our offering this morning is for the Barnabas Ministry. Um, this is a ministry based uh, in Ohio that, is, uh, that works with pastors and missionaries and to support them and encourage them and equip them to continue in ministry and, and continue well in ministry. Um, it's, a, it's a ministry that I personally have benefited from, and I'm grateful for it, and so grateful that our church is able to support them financially this morning through the offering. So I encourage you to give as you feel led to give this morning, and I, at this time I want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering.
remain standing. Today's verse is from Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commandments, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed to me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life here, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it, it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to study your word here this morning. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for it being read, and we thank you now that we have time to, to meditate on it and dwell on it today. I pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today, and that, Holy Spirit, you'd give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I still remember the day that uh, Josephine, that Allie and I were able to bring Josephine home from the hospital uh, when she was born. Uh, we had spent a couple days there, um, and when it was time for us to go, I remember they encouraged us to bring the car seat up, you know, make sure we had her all strapped in properly, and, and then they, you know, wheeled Allie down to the exit, and I carried Josephine in the carrier, and we got out to the sidewalk, and they just left us there. I mean, can you believe that? Firstborn child, we had, we, we felt like they're really going to just let us take this child home now and we're in charge of this child's care and well-being. 
Uh, I remember feeling very intimidated in that moment with all of the responsibility of raising this child on us. And to be honest, felt a little unprepared for that moment. Now, parenting is a challenge, right? There's no way to hide that. It is a blessing, of course, but it is difficult at times. And think of all the things that we are called to teach our children as they grow up, right? Things like eating, talking, uh, using the bathroom, to be able to read, to be polite, how to share, right? In essence, our role as parents is to try to help our children be people, right? <laughs> to figure out how to live in this world, to figure out what, what is important and what is not, and how to live accordingly. But the most important thing that a parent passes on to their child isn't any of those things I just mentioned, although obviously they are good. The most important thing that we can pass on to our children is a faith in Jesus, to know him, to love him, and to serve him. And the focus of the passage that you just heard read from Deuteronomy chapter 6 is, is the focus on parents and their children, right? And, and it's about how to disciple a new generation to know and love and serve the Lord. But I also want to encourage you here today. You may not be a parent with a young child or a parent with a teenager. You may be a grandparent. You may be, uh, you may be single. You may not have children of your own. But the things that we are talking about here today still apply to all of us at any stage of life. The principles of discipleship that are laid out here are crucial for all of us in our walk with the Lord. And so while the focus that I'm going to be framing all of this in and the way that Deuteronomy 6 frames it is in parents and children and their relationship, know that these things that we're talking about here today certainly apply to all of us, no matter what stage of life you're in and no matter what your uh, you, yeah, what your situation is. And the other thing, a couple more things I need to just throw out there before we continue on is, is I don't stand up here as an expert in this area. And with complete honesty, Allie and I are not perfect. And I'm sure many of you have figured that out. Just ask our kids, right? We're still figuring it out ourselves. And there's plenty of things that we've started and never finished. We're inconsistent at times, but we're trying and so the things that I'm sharing here today, don't, don't think that I'm saying them because I'm, we have somehow figured it all out and we're telling you the secrets. We are just simply trying to be faithful, just like we hope you are trying to be faithful as well. Um, the other thing that's important to, for us to remember is that I'm not going to cover every tip or trick or situation today. We simply don't have the time. It could be a whole sermon series on advice to how to disciple young people or how to disciple people in general. Um, but I am going to focus on some of the general principles of the text here today. So I also understand that every family is unique, every situation is unique, and the things that I may mention, they may not apply exactly one-to-one -to, -one to your family and your situation, but I think the principles in general will certainly apply. And part of, part of studying and understanding God's Word is, is taking that principle and then applying it to your specific situation, in this case, your family. And so I want to encourage you to to hear what I have to say this morning with an open mind and know that, um, you know, part of the responsibility of discipleship is, is taking God's word and taking the wisdom that is found there and the truth that is found there and learning how to make it applicable to your own life and situation. And so I encourage you to, to hear what I have to say today with an open mind in that sense. But before we jump into the, the principles here, it's important to place this passage in the context 
of Israel's history in the timeline of the Bible because that helps us understand what Moses is trying to communicate here. Now, in Deuteronomy, Israel is on the edge of the promised land, right? They had left Egypt some 40 years earlier. They received from the law from the Lord on Mount Sinai, and for the next 39 and a half years or so, they've spent wandering in the wilderness as a direct result of their disobedience to the Lord. And the punishment was that the entire generation of adults that had left Egypt, that experienced, had experienced the miracles of the ten plagues and the exodus out through the Red Sea, that entire generation of adults is no longer alive. They had all died in the wilderness. And the book of Numbers, which comes right before Deuteronomy, communicates that through the censuses. They're the census at the beginning of the book and the census at the end of the book are there to show that that entire generation was gone. And now, before Moses stands, a whole new generation of adults and their children who, were, who grew up in the wilderness. And so Moses is here to kind of communicate God's law to them once again. You can think of Deuteronomy as Moses' farewell speech. God told him, God had told Moses that he's not going to go into the promised land with it, but he is not able to go in. And so Moses, now speaking to this new generation, reiterates the law and demands that they obey the Lord. And so here in Deuteronomy 6, he reminds us that it isn't just for themselves. He's not telling them just for the adults that are standing there before him that day, but they are to pass them on to their children so that they too may know the Lord. And so here's the big idea that I want to take away from our passage here today in our time in the Word. That discipleship is a whole life commitment that begins in the home. Let me say that again. Discipleship is a whole life commitment that begins in the home. Moses begins this passage by outlining some benefits of observing the law. And when he talks about the commands, the decrees, and laws that he's commanding them to obey, he's referring to the Ten Commandments. And Maria helpfully illustrated that for us during the children's chat. At the end of De in Deuteronomy 5, Moses repeats the Ten Commandments that were first given in Exodus chapter 20. Because remember, we have a whole new generation here, so they needed to be instructed once again on the basics of the law. See, the Ten Commandments are the foundation of all the other laws that we, were, we heard described in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. By most counts, there are some 613 laws described in the Old Testament, ways of relating to God and each other, how to live as the people of God in the world. But all 613 of those laws can really be traced back to these 10. But Jesus, as Maria helpfully pointed out, takes it even a step further. He says that all the law and all the prophets can be summed up in just two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Do those words sound familiar? Where do you think Jesus got that idea from? It's right here in Deuteronomy 6, and we'll get to that verse in just a moment. But the Ten Commandments are given so that we know how to live in right relationship with God and how to live in right relationship with other people. And that's why Moses urges them to follow the law. So Moses says that discipleship, observing the law, has a generational impact. He says it's that so that their children and even their grandchildren may fear the Lord. And again, it's a helpful reminder, when we say fear the Lord, we're not talking about to be afraid of the Lord or to be frightened of Him, but to live in awe and reverence and give Him the respect and honor that He deserves. Right? 
at the core of even the Ten Commandments, at the core of the law, is a God who desires to be in relationship with us, to know him, to love him, and to serve him. And that's what, and that's what we are as, as parents are called to pass on to our children. Now here's the, here's the hard truth though. Every church is one generation away from dying out. If we are unable to pass on the faith to the next generation, if we are unable to disciple our children and young people in our families and in our church, in our community, then every church is one generation from being gone. Pastor Michael was here a couple weeks ago from Germany and having conversations with him and even my own experience with our short work trip there, you realize that there's many churches in Europe that are more museums and tourist attractions than they are places of worship. Beautiful cathedrals that sit empty most Sundays but are packed during the week by curious visitors who wonder what this, what this church, or just to see the church building itself. You see, God promises that his church, Big C Church, will never fail. But that doesn't mean individual churches are secure. Churches close all the time. And overall, if you look at it from a worldly perspective, a worldwide perspective, the church isn't dying, it's just shifting. The church is growing in many parts of the world, even if it is dying or shrinking in places like Western Europe and North America. And so we have a job to do, right? As parents, as Christians in general, we have a job to do, and that is to raise up the next generation, to disciple them to know, love, and serve the Lord, to teach them to obey the commands of the Lord so that they may know what it is like to live in a relationship with Him. And so a commitment to discipleship both in the home and in the church can reverse the trend that we're seeing. The other blessing uh, that, that Moses highlights for us is that obedience to the law can, can be a blessing in and of itself. Moses says that obeying the law can lead to long and prosperous life. See, Deuteronomy assumes that obedience to the law leads to material blessing. And while that may be, and that may be true, generally speaking, you see, living according to the law, living according to God's design, will generally lead to good results. All right, think about it as, as a car or other piece of equipment that you may own, right? If you operate it according to the manufacturer's directions, it's generally going to lead to good, um, uh, long, long use of that vehicle, right? If you, if you work according to how, if you use a piece of equipment according to how it's meant to work, it's going to lead generally to good results. You see, God created us with, with the design in mind. He created us, he sustains us, and he knows the best way for us to live. And so living according to his word, living according to his law is going to generally lead to good results. But we must remember that that the blessing itself, the material blessing, I should say, is not guaranteed. The reality is we live in a, a world that has been affected by sin and brokenness, and so that affects how this world functions. Something may be generally true, but there are certainly exceptions to that. And the other thing we must remember is that the greatest blessing of all are spiritual in nature, not material. Deuteronomy 6 lists several material benefits, such as long life and peace in the land. Those things are good, and in general, we should desire those things. 
But don't forget that eternal life is better than long life and that a place in the kingdom of God is better than anything the land of Canaan can offer. See, those things, eternal life in the kingdom of God, are guaranteed to those who believe. They are not based on our obedience because they are based on Jesus and what he's done for us. And so discipleship is important because it leads to um, a generational impact and generally speaking leads to blessing. And so how are we to disciple? That's, that's the question I hand for us here today. And that's what Moses alludes to in the next verses, the method of discipleship. And the first thing that we must remember as we are discipling our children or just disciple, with discipleship in general is that discipleship begins with total commitment to the Lord, total commitment to the Lord. You see, Moses sums up the law in, in verses 4 and 5. He says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and love him with your heart, with your soul, and with your strength. First thing he says here is there is only one God. That's a pretty overwhelming statement about the exclusivity of God. He is the only true God. He alone deserves all honor and worship and loyalty and praise. All other so-called gods are false and don't deserve our worship at all. And so because that is true, because there is only one true God, we owe him everything. All of our love, all of our obedience, our entire selves. And he, said, he sums it up by saying, love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Now we can parse out what each of those parts of your being might mean, your heart, your soul, your strength, but, but I, don't wanna, I don't want us to get lost in the details of what each part might control. You see, the emphasis that Moses is getting here is that, is that we are called to give our entire selves to him, not just part of ourselves, not just part of him. And he, re, and he emphasizes that by repeating the word all, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. In other similar passages, they add all of your mind. Right? We are called to give everything to the Lord and hold nothing back. To put that in maybe terms that we can better understand today, we need to make him our number one priority. We need to put God first in our lives and everything else comes at second place. You see, here's the thing. If you want your child to grow, to know, love, and serve the Lord, the best thing that you can do, the most important step that you can take is to make Jesus your number one priority in your life, to make him the center of everything you do. Your children, both young and old, both, both young and teenagers, yes, and even your adult children as well, may model themselves after your priorities. They'll learn from you, right? And I mean that for better or worse. They'll learn good habits from you and they'll learn bad habits from you. I think one of the more surprising things about becoming an adult is really realizing just how much like your parents you are, right? You realize that, oh, I learned a lot from my parents without even realizing it. And so parents know that, that your children are like little sponges. They're going to soak up your life, your priorities, the things that you care about. And so make sure that the most important thing in your life is Jesus so that they learn to do the same. Do you want your kids to love Jesus with their entire being? Well, you need to model what that looks like for them. Now, I, I know I <laughs> might get myself in trouble here, but... But that's why the, the component of uh, that drop-and-go sort of parenting 
that's the component that drop-and-go kind of parenting misses, right? When you just drop your kids off at Sunday school or youth group or Awana, but don't make Bible study a priority in your own life, they're going to catch on to that, right? They'll notice that in that when they're old enough to make those decisions for themselves, they will follow suit. And so it's important to make Jesus a priority in your own life so that your kids will learn that from you. And we need to give ourselves entirely over to God because there are so many other options out there for us to choose from. Moses goes on to say, and later on in Deuteronomy 6, which wasn't read for us, he, he reminds us to, to fear the Lord and serve him only. Right? Israel's about to go into a land with many competing gods. They were going to be confronted with competing ideas and options for worship. And the same problem is still true today. We are also presented... We, we also live in a pluralistic society. We have many gods, many idols, many philosophies that compete for our attention and for our loyalty. And this, reason, this reality is increasing at a rapid pace with the flood of information that comes through social media and the internet in general. Right? The temptation to worship other gods has always been a problem. Right? Israel experienced it firsthand. But the unique problem that we face today, I believe, it's just the sheer amount of information that we are confronted with on a regular basis. Smartphones and computers open us up to a never-ending flood of information designed to influence the way that you think and you act. Now, I'm not here to talk about the big bad algorithm or anything like that, right? But, but it's just rea- the reality is with the amount of information that we are exposed to today, it's, we are going to be exposed to competing ideas and philosophies, different ways of living life. And so, give, so, so we need to make sure that we are standing firm in the truth of the word, standing firm in our, our faith in God, or else those competing ideas are going to have a strong influence on us. You see, we can't keep our children or ourselves, for that matter, in a bubble. We will be exposed to the ideas of the world sooner or later. And honestly, it seems like sooner and sooner these days. And so we need to be prepared to handle those challenges. So you need to know what you, need, you believe. You need to stand firm in it. And you need to do that before you're confronted with those competing ideas. Pastor Tory quoted Jackie Hill Perry last week, and that quote has been rolling around in my brain ever since then. And I, I didn't get the quote exactly, but I'm going to sum it up for you. She said, young people are leaving the church because we haven't given them the tools to deal with doubt and deception, and that needs to change, right? We need to equip our young people, our children, even at an early, early age, to know the truth and to be able to stand firm in it. And we need discernment. We need to know what the truth is, and we need to know the difference between right and wrong and true and false. And that begins with the knowledge of scriptures that lead to a real and personal relationship with God. So if we're talking about discipleship, the very first thing we need to do is give our entire selves over to him. It involves a whole life commitment. But then Moses also goes on to talk about some ways that we can, we can share that with our children in the future generation. The first thing he says is impress them on your children. The imagery here is, is of using a whetstone to sharpen a knife. Now, I was a Boy Scout when I was younger, and I loved to whittle. And by whittle, I mean I like to take my pocket knife and make a whole lot of sharp, pointy sticks. Right? You just whittle away until you got something you could stab somebody with, right? And that, that was the goal. 
Um, well, not to stab somebody, I should clarify. That did not sound right. The goal was not to stab people. The goal is just to make a whole bunch of sharp, pointy sticks. But one of the things you realize when you do that, one of the things you realize when you do that is your knife gets dull real quick, right? The more you, the more you whittle away, the, the more dull your knife becomes. And so you needed to sharpen it. And so you took a whetstone and you'd have to run it along the edge of the blade in order to regain that edge. Now, sharpening a knife was a, was a process that required a lot of repetition. Not only in that moment as you constantly drew the whetstone across the blade, but also having to go back and repeat the process over and over again as the blade became dull. You see, discipleship is not a one-time event. It's a repeated commitment to teach and model obedience for your children. You see, we are, we are forgetful people. We have leaky memories, and we quickly forget what the Lord has done for us, especially when we're confronted with challenges and temptations. Again, we, don't, we need to look no further than Israel and their experience in the wilderness to see that firsthand. And so we must constantly remind ourselves of God's word and the Lord's goodness. Somebody once said that repetition is the mother of learning, right? We need to hear things over and over and over again before they really sink in. And so we rehearse the truth of God now so that we can stand firm in it when temptation or trouble comes. But we also must recognize that the opposite temptation is true as well. Again, later on in, in chapter 6, Moses reminds them to not forget the Lord when they enter the land. He says, you're going to experience these blessings, right? You're going to experience these wonderful things that the Lord is promising to provide for you. And he says, in that moment, when you enjoy the fruit of a vineyard that you didn't plant, or you live in a house that you did, or live in a city that you did not build, don't forget the Lord, we need to stand firm on God's word when trouble comes, but we also need to remember the Lord when things are going well. We may be so infatuated with the blessings that we forget the one who blesses. It's easy to forget God sometimes when things are going well. And so we need repetition. We need to constantly remind ourselves and our children of the Lord's goodness. And we do that by, by going to the word. And Moses then goes on to say that, that doesn't just happen occasionally, but it's meant to happen everywhere, all the time. He says that discipleship happens when you wake down, when you, when you wake up, and when you go to bed, when you're, when you're at home and you're walking along the road. In other words, disciple yourselves to the Lord, but, but it's also something that you're called to do everywhere and all of the time. You see, most of life happens outside of the walls of this church. Best case scenario, your children have two to three hours here at church in a given week. But think of how much time that they spend elsewhere. Whether it's school or work, you know, it's 35 or 40 hours there. Then you add on sports or other extracurricular activities on top of that. And then think about the time that we spend on social media or giving over to watching TV shows or spending time with friends. Again, I'm not saying all of those things are bad. I'm just saying think about how much time we give to those other things and then compare that to the two or maybe three hours that our children or even ourselves spend at church on a given week. There's always going to be something competing for our attention, and it takes an intentional effort to make room for Jesus in the midst of our busy schedules. So we need to, we need to make time for him outside of the regular uh, uh, meetings of the church. 
We need to commit time at home when you're going along the road, right, um, to, to talk about God and to pass on that faith to your children. We're called to follow Jesus anywhere and everywhere that life brings you. And I know that your life is busy. My life is busy too. And so you need to make room for Jesus when and where you have those opportunities. Take time to pray together before a meal and before bed. Take time to check in with your kids and ask them about what they're learning in Sunday school or Awana or church or youth group when you're driving in your car on the way to practice. Right? Just take a moment wherever and whenever you are and touch base with your kids and talk to them about their faith and what they're learning. Commit to reading a Bible story before bedtime. Right? There are a lot of hours in the day and we waste a lot of our time if we really think about it on things that don't really matter. So make opportunities to take opportunities to make room for Jesus. It isn't easy, but it can happen. And it'll happen if you choose to be intentional. Right? Discipleship isn't just going to happen by accident. It's a commitment that you make to yourself and your children. Do it for your own sake and do it for your kids' sake. The last principle that Moses relays here is the importance of reminders in our lives. Right? We may we may want to commit our whole lives to Jesus. We may have all the intention in the world to to take time every day to read his word or to pray or to talk to our kids about why faith is important. But if we don't remind ourselves of that, we're going to forget. So he says to put reminders, right? He says to to bind them on your your hands and write the, you know write them on the door frames of your house. Now, I'm not saying to take a Sharpie and go wild. That is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that there are the importance of regular physical reminders so that when you see them, you are reminded to go and spend time with the Lord. So put things around your house to remind you of those things. Set your Bible on your nightstand so when you wake up or when you go to bed, you see it and it's a reminder to spend time in God's Word. We have our kids' Jesus Storybook Bible sitting on the nightstand. And so when we put them to bed, we see it and we are reminded to read that story to them. Also put scripture verses, you know, around your house. Um, Write them on an index card and tape it on your mirror so when you're getting ready in the morning, you see it and you are reminded of the truth of God's Word. And it may even be as simple as setting alarms or reminders in your phone to take time every day to pray. Do you get distracted really easily? Set a reminder to, to pray at a certain time of the day. And when it goes off, do it, right? Find ways to remind yourself of these things, to remind your children of these things. Create regular rhythms in your life so that as you go about your day and life gets busy and things get hectic, you see those things and you're reminded to slow down and think about the Lord. That in and of itself is a biblical uh, precedent. And we see that especially in the life of Abraham. Whenever he had an encounter with God or some, God provided in some way, he would set up these stones of remembrance, these stone altars. And, and they were placed there as reminders of what God had done. And so as he would travel through the land or future generation would, would see them, they would be reminded of God's provision and deliverance. And again, in Deuteronomy 6, Moses reminds them, when your children ask you why you do these things, he goes on to say that it's because of, 
it, there, those laws and the statutes and the decrees are there to remind us of the Lord's salvation. For them, it was the exodus out of Egypt. That, that was the defining moment of God's salvation. For us, it's the cross and the resurrection. Jesus rescues us from slavery to sin, not from Pharaoh. And so the goal of discipleship is for people to know and experience God's salvation, to enter into that personal relationship with him. When we think about how we are discipling our children, we must always remember that. The goal is not just information transfer, but it's transformation. It's for our children to know and love and serve the Lord, to be in a relationship with him, to remember what he has done for us. I know I said I wouldn't have time to cover all of the things that we could talk about here today. But, we remi- but I want to remind you of the principles that we talked about here. As we think about how to disciple the next generation, we must model and pass on a whole life commitment to Jesus. Make him your number one priority. Impress these things on your children. It's a, it's a repeated commitment that we're called to make. Not just a one-time thing, not just a, yeah, we went to Sunday school once that one time, but a regular, everyday commitment to teach our children about Jesus. And it's a commitment that happens everywhere, all the time, not just within the walls of this building. And one of the practical things that you can do is just set up reminders in your own life, around your house, where you spend your time with your family, reminders that point you to Jesus and remind you to pause the busyness of life and all the distractions that are there and spend time focusing on Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word and I I thank you that you have given us the, the privilege and the responsibility to disciple the next generation. Lord, it is a tall task and it may seem overwhelming at times, but I thank you because of your grace and through the work of your spirit, Lord, you, you equip us and empower us to do just that. And so I pray that you would help us to, to disciple those people that you've placed in our lives, whether it's our own children, our grandchildren, or friends, or coworkers, Lord. Um, the things that we talked about here are important in every situation and circumstance. And so we ask that you would help us to keep our focus on you and to pass on that faith. Once, once we're all delivered to the saints. We pray, pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I encourage you to stand and sing our closing song with us, Leaning.
now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace. Oh,